Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello, this is Simon Brew. I'm the editor of Film Stories magazine and a very warm welcome to the Film Stories podcast. Come with me. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. In movies, movies that have stories. That the story just sucks them in. This is just the beginning. We would be honoured if you would join us. Hello and a very warm welcome to Film Stories with Simon Brew. I am Simon Brew. It's all you need to know about me. Aim of the podcast? Well, th- I'm here to talk of the stories of films. And I tend to talk production stories, development stories, behind the scenes, bits and bobs. Things that go to make the films that you, we, we, we know and love. Uh, just that, the films that we know and love. What you've stumbled across here, and you're very, very welcome, thank you for joining me, is one of my occasional special episodes where I'm lucky enough to be joined by a guest who is talking about one of their upcoming films, or in this case, a a kind of broader conversation, um, as much because I want to be spoiler light as anything else, about film production, about current Hollywood, about Slater movies. And so I'm joined by producer Jason Blum, who has, through his Blumhouse Productions backed a variety of projects, low-budget projects where high, with high amounts of filmmaker control stuff, uh, f- films like Get Out, um, Split, uh, Whiplash, The Purge movies, the recent ha- new Halloween, and for the purposes of this conversation, the new take on The Invisible Man, written and directed by Lee Whannell, uh, who previously made the the excellent Upgrade as well, which we're going to be talking about throughout this conversation. Simple enough format i'm going to play you a clip from the invisible man it's nice and spoiler free i do think the film is terrific and i do go quite light on that because i don't think it should be spoiled um the film is actually in cinemas on the 28th of february i'll play you a clip and then the other side of that it's straight into my conversation with jason blum i hope you enjoy it i'm scared have to be scared of him anymore. He was a sociopath, completely in control of everything. He said that wherever I went, he would find me, walk right up to me, and I wouldn't be able to see him. So that was a clip from The Invisible Man, and I, I'm delighted to be joined by the Emperor of Blumhouse, uh, the producer of the film, as far as I know, the owner of the film, the negatives are all in your cellar, uh, Mr. Jason Blum. Well, my pleasure. How are you? How are you? Pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. The Emperor of Blumhouse. Here I am in the flesh. Is that, is that what your business card says? Yeah, that's that what I, no, but it's going to say that after this interview. Is that right? Because uh-huh. I've got felt-tip pens. Yeah, so wonderful. I could, I could knock all that off. This is great news. I haven't, uh, I haven't had a business card since 2003, but maybe it's time. in 2003? It's when I got rid of my business cards. Okay, but there wasn't like. I mean, is this, is this one of the? Are we doing one of these self-help seminars? Maybe. Is that one of the things? Maybe. Is that maybe. Could be. Um, 
I, I, I have, at the point this has been recorded, I am 22 minutes out of seeing the film. Mm. Um, so, can I ask, when this came to you, and, I, I, and there's two parts to it really, what was it and what wasn't it? When it was presented to you? What it was, it's a great question. What it was, was <clears throat> I thought a very timely, original take on The Invisible Man. And I loved, I loved, I loved Lee's, the way he was going to enter into the story and the premise of the story was great. What it wasn't was a big, kind of bloated special effects tentpole movie, which, which I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I, I'm not interested in making, and usually not really a fan of watching those movies either. Okay. So, because one thing struck me while while watching it, um, I, I've written fairly recently about something called sherry movies. I don't know if you're familiar with that term. I don't and know it what was, does that mean. It was in the mid. It was in the mid '90s, early 2000s, when Sherry Lansing no, was Sherry, heading that's up. What I thought you meant. Was, was you heading said up that. Paramount Pictures. Right, she right. was pioneering while no one else was making them. Kind of mid-budget thrillers. Yeah, basic Instinct. Bra- bra- uh, no, no um, Fatal Attraction was a first. But it I mean, was, excuse it was me, mainly, Fatal Attraction. The Double Jeopardies. The yeah. uh, Kiss the Girls. But she was making revenge thrillers yeah. with female uh, protagonists. Yeah. At a point, nobody was making those films. Yeah. And it struck me without going very spoilery into this film one of the many things that this film does I should say I like it oh um, good yeah um, oh, good. a little reserved no I did say that before in England that's a, that's a rave but it's still well, a little in England, reserved I'm basically yeah. stripping naked and yeah. running down yeah. Oxford You're, Street yeah. saying telling yeah. him to watch it yeah but right exactly that's a rave um, but what it struck me is you've, you've got this model now and it built up of horror obviously but you, you've kind of built this almost Trojan horse that yeah. people have this perception of what one of your films is going to be. And then it's There's something else. There's a box out that comes, a box set that's like all the sinister artwork and stuff like that. Right. But you've made the films, a, a film here that was prevalent in the 90s to a degree that we just can't get anywhere and, yeah. anymore. No one had been able to make one, and you've made one. And I'm kind of wondering if you can talk to that a little bit, because there's lots of things going on in this film. Well, I do. I love, and one of the reasons I kind of love horror is it's a way to be subversive and reach a reach a large group of people and and uh and 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 you can you can kind of use horror to do very different things um and an invisible man is like it's like a definitely like a throwback to a sherry movie for sure i thought that's yeah. who you were talking to when you said that but then i because you can't meet sherry lansing but you did um and uh and uh it's it it is like that. It's an updated version of a of a '90s thriller, um, and I think it is much more of a thriller than a horror movie. I think it's a, I think it's also um, you know it was Lee's idea to make the Invisible Man a movie that starred a woman yeah. and make the Invisible Man um, you know a bad guy who who torments her. Um, and I think uh, I think that premise is so is so great because there's no better use of being invisible than to gaslight someone. Yeah, and and last time, because last time we saw a, a high budget Invisible Man movie, it was it was a Chevy Chase, wasn't it? It was a comedy. Was that the last one? It I was. Think so. what was that oh no, Hollow Man. Hollow Man. Hollow Man. That was a bit pervy, That's wasn't right. it? That's so, right. So it kind That's of went right. a bit pervy, yeah, right. and then a bit comedy. And yeah, you right. Kind of avoided both of those. I avoid. We avoided those. Yeah, okay. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I don't often read press notes as a rule, but I read the press notes well, for this. And I think a lovely, that's wise, by the yeah, way. No, but I almost never read press notes, even though I'm quoted in them sometimes. Well, you should actually. Uh, uh, what did I say? In, no, no, it's not what you said. It's uh, what they said. Oh, God. And, and it's from the studio. Oh, and it boy. says, quote, Universal monster films will be rooted in the horror genre with no restrictions on budget, rating, or genre. 
Is that what they said to you? Because if someone said to me, "There's no restrictions on budget," I'm I've got Pizza Hut on the phone first no, thing. No, I just, mean, I'm, see, but that's my thing. I don't I don't like it. I, if, no, I get I that. All the money in the world, I don't want to do big budget movies. Is, I, that, is that what? Or is that what you're? No, no what I'm, are you my, my curiosity here was if Universal, in this instance, right. afforded you the opportunity to do that. And you pulled back and went completely the other way deliberately. That that there was an opportunity yes. on a studio budget to have a much broader, bigger canvas, if you like, and you said no. Because in your early career... I mean, we have to stop right here immediately at this interview because what you've said is, is preposterous. And let me tell you why. <laughs> I get that a lot. You've implied yeah. that we make movies for a low budget because that's all that we can get. I mean, what you're saying is... If Invisible Man, uh, if, if Universal had said, here's $50 million or $100 million yeah. from Invisible Man, why wouldn't you take it? But why the reason that you've brought me to a standstill in our interview here Uh-oh. is that I, um, I have to say that I've had enough success that sh- if I chose to make expensive movies, even if it wasn't The Invisible Man, I could do that. Yes. But I don't because yes. I think money in most instances is the enemy of creativity as it comes to um, as it comes to movies and television shows. Movies maybe more than TV shows, but actually both of them. I think I think now there are big exceptions to that rule. Um, Julie Taymor is an actor is a yeah. is a director yeah, rather yeah. who who she do the Anthony Hopkins I'm not talk. interested in seeing in, in seeing a low budget Julie Taymor anything. Yeah. Julie Taymor is someone you 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 give an enormous amount of resources to and what she comes up with is brilliant. Yeah. There are a few people like that. David Fincher is mm. brilliant. But most people I think that you if you if you drop too much money on their doorstep to make a movie and this is most the, the movies suffer suffer because of that. Now, I am not uh, Julie Taymor or David Fincher. I'm not a genius, although I work with geniuses. But I think that their movies are much better because we resist the temptation to throw all that money at our directors and we force them to work inside a inside a box. Was that a longer answer to a question well, that is, you didn't did really mean to like, you poked a bear on that one? No, I, I, I sort of half deliberately did it because okay. it contrasts with something I, I, you've said to me before. Tell me. Whereas, because uh, I interviewed you earlier in your career right. and you said we're making the films we can because these are the resources available to us. And this was well, much, that was much for a long time. That ago. was, yeah, that was much. Yeah. But and I, I, yeah. I follow the films that you're making, yeah, yeah, and I, yeah. I've seen the the screen size of the canvas grow, yeah. even as the bill doesn't necessarily. Yeah. But my point really was that those brackets feel like they've been long removed from you. Which that, brackets? The brackets that you you were by. I mean, when you. Were oh no, 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 yeah, we could make for we could we could, yeah. we could make movies. You're right. I mean, may, maybe early on. Now, I, I when I look back, maybe I, I make myself sound 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 more clever than I actually was. Maybe we did it out of design. I feel I feel like though, pretty early on, by the time we were doing. You know, when our first deal at Universal, which was 10 years ago, was really geared only to do low-budget movies. I, I, I always like to do low-budget movies because it maybe this is what I was talking about before. It affords us the opportunity to do whatever we want. Yes. And 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 that's still true. If you if you the hundred million dollar version of the Invisible Man of Lee Wanell's Invisible Man, the movie that you just yes. saw now 27 minutes ago. Yes. Um, 
would be nothing like the movie that you just saw. First of all, there'd be all different actors in it. The third act would be a massive set piece. It would be half piece. an hour longer. It would be, it would be a half an hour yeah. longer. Yeah. And I and I and I personally think it wouldn't be as good, or for it wouldn't be as interesting to me. Yeah. And um, and so so low budgets afford us the opportunity to give the directors creative control and 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 encourage them to take take risks. Yeah. With um, I, I I mean I. This this particular, I mean, first of all, if I was spending the budget, I'd have bought the house. That you bit at the spent, start. Well, that I mean, too, that, 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 that was house. a house. Yeah, that's a great. I felt that the same house. way. I felt the same way. But I'd also, lo- love that house. <laughs> but also, what whilst and, and I've been guilty of it myself. A, a lot of the conversations with you, you really do love that house. Now you're what? just going off on a moment on that house. I'm aren't going. You? No, I'm laughing because. I'm laughing because, A, I had the same thought when I saw them. I didn't see the house before I saw the movie. When I saw the movie, I thought, God, I'd really love to have that house. And second of all, I think that would be a great use of the, of, of capital. Yes. If you give give me $50 million, I'll spend 40 on the house. I'll make yeah. the movie for 10 Now that figures right up my alley. Oh, honestly, <laughs> honestly, you should have hired me earlier on it. But many of the conversations, and I've been I've been guilty of that just now. Yes. Uh, deliberately so. We, with, you as a, with you as a producer, tend to center on money. Um, that that people, I assume, ask you the budget question an awful lot. But the other side of that, I wonder, is how much of a protective shield are you to your filmmakers? Because again, one of the things you you talked about early uh, early in this run, incredible run of successes, was I get to say we can make our films in Los Angeles, so my cast and crew can go home and see their kids mm, at night and that. things like that. Um, Those days are long gone, by the is way. Is that right? Yeah, I remember that. So things yeah. have changed. Yeah, things have changed. <laughs> things have changed. Yeah. But what kind of protection? force are you so Lee Wanell comes in with with a vision for how he wants to do that where where does your creative input start and stop what kind of buffer are you between the studio what level of trust is in there um well 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 you got a bunch of questions in there which I will try to unpack one at a time um there is no other creative voice in the in the conversation at all um on on any of our movies that so we're more than a buffer we're just we are it that that's that's the filmmaker agree when they agree to make a movie for you know they don't get to pay themselves anything up front except for scale and when they agree to make a, a a movie on a with a with a limited budget the 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 bargain or what they get in return for that is final cut and no 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 meddling by people who can control what they do. Yeah. But to, an- to answer kind of the second part of your question, the result of telling the director that they get to do what he or she wants to do is that th- we are much, much, much more creatively involved with our with our movies. Um, television is kind of a different conversation yeah. than the one that we're having with our movies than ordinary producers or even a studio because as soon as the director knows they don't have to fight for what they want, the conversation is very fluid. I mean, we talk about, we go back and forth with everything, with casting, with with the script, with the scares, with the we've changes, with the cut. Like, it's very, there's a, the, the conversations are endless um, and the director has no fears about bringing up what they may be worried about bringing up if they didn't know that they have final say. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, so you yeah. remove the fear from... You remove the fear, and, and, and the, the, the director's not worried about saying, like, you know, should it be this person or that person, because they're, they don't think what I say or what we say they're going to have to do. Yeah. So there's no, like, 
the director kind of going and being secretive about what they're doing or hoping they're going to get something by us because they don't have to act like that because anything they want they're going to get. And the result is that they they bring up a lot more and they have we just have many, many, many more um, kind of open, I think, uh, I think conversations that are um, um, more productive creative conversations than you would have yeah. otherwise. When you were making the paranormal activity films, as you were coming to the end of that particular run of them, you described a, a kind of mini brain trust that you had, that there was a bunch of creative people who were working and kind of overseeing those movies. Was that exclusive to that franchise? Or yeah, do you the have... way that we made paranormal activity yeah. is, I always say that there were, t- there were kind of two experiences that I had that led to the way that we make our movies. One was the way the Paranormal Activity sequels were made, not the first movie, but the sequels. Yeah. And the second was my experience on the Tooth Fairy. And those two experiences were my um, were my experience in studio production, studio filmmaking, decision by committee, directors not having any creative control. Yeah. And... Um, and our business operates completely opposite from those two from those two from those two experiences. Now the interesting thing about the TV and movie business is that there's no recipe for success, right? There are a yeah. lot of those I think Paranormal Activity 3 is maybe the best of all the Paranormal Activity movies. It came out of that. It's just that process is not for me. Is that the Xbox one? Is it 3 or 4? What's it's the, the Xbox, Xbox one? one? Where you use an Xbox, Xbox Connect. Um, you know, and they've got all the infrared dots all over the... Uh, all over oh! The it's your film. Oh, that's four. that was that's four. four. Yeah. The, that was I a call great it, scene. I call you it call Paranormal, Paranormal Activity Xbox. Xbox that's now. great. So yeah. you, I mean, it would have got you a trademark infringement. Paranormal Activity 3 was the one with the broomstick holding yes, the, I recall the water. That. Yeah. yeah, I like the Xbox one. Yeah. You like four. All right. Well, yeah. you're, you're, you're in a, you're in a, you're an in a minority. Style. You're yeah. an anarchist. So you don't like four, but I do. Yeah, this exactly. Is four okay. was, well, yeah, exactly. You're right about that. When you, when you, when you, see this film then when, when Lee went out because I thought Upgrade was terrific I mean we, Me we, we really I went for it. that in our magazine quite a oh, lot oh did you yeah, yeah I loved um, it I loved and it. to the point where it's almost been rescued on physical release I over know, here I know. which is incredible I have more plans for Upgrade I'm not done with Upgrade yet oh, I'm not telling you what they are no 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 no, 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 cool. no but I have just had plans that's all I'm saying right now I have more plans I'm not finished with Upgrade you're not finished with Upgrade so I take that as trilogy spin-off TV series and stage musical you could take any any of the above <laughs> when you um, when you, when you see this first the, the first cut of the Invisible Man and I, and we sh- I have to acknowledge the powerhouse performance at the start of it yeah. and the reason I was asking in part about the protecting of your director is so much space is afforded for quietness and for someone looking at a camera um, the, the the camera to be still without building up to a jump or anything like that the sheer patience and diligence of the build up. Of her, of her character, yeah. I thought was astounding. And Elizabeth Mott is just, I mean, it struck me coming out. She's both the antagonist, the pr- protagonist. She's doing all of these roles that she shouldn't necessarily have to do. Mm-hmm. When you see that, can you tell me your reaction to seeing a first cut? Appreciating the whole thing hasn't come as a surprise to you. And and what the process is from there for you? Yeah, well, it's always, it's always every, t- every time you see a first cut on every movie, it's always different. You always have high hopes. Yeah. Because right before you've seen the first cut, you've got the dream of the movie, which yeah. the movie's perfect. When you read the script, when you greenlight the movie, you have to imagine the movie's going to be perfect. Um, and and, and uh, usually it's a little disappointing seeing the first cut. Seeing the f- first cut of, eh, eh, uh, you know what I will say? Every time of the three, 
you know, Lee has directed three movies. We produced all three of them, and every first cut of all three of his movies has not has been the opposite. Like he really over delivers as a director. I feel like he's underappreciated as a director, and that will change as soon as yeah. people see Invisible Man. When you do a, uh, a, a you know, a, a sequel. Uh, it's harder for people to distinguish the directing, and that happened on Insidious for Lee. Um, an upgrade, like you say, didn't get wide distribution, so a lot of people, whoever saw Upgrade, loved it. Unfortunately, yes. not that many people saw it. Um, but I think now he's going to have an a, 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 what is you know an original movie, and it's going to get wide distribution. So I think he's going to people are going to catch up to my thinking where my thinking was on Lee after the first movie he directed after we saw that. But but I was you know. I mean, I gave Lee a hug after the after yeah. the test screening. I mean, not the test screening after the first time I saw it, and um, we did a little tweaking with the movie. We did like a half a day of additional photography on the movie, okay. and uh, and it was all because Lee was trying to make it even better. But I remember saying, you know, you know, see if you can make it eight minutes shorter, and we've got a movie. And I think he made it seven minutes shorter and added a little bit, and it got even better than it was. But I was very happy when I first saw the movie. So one minute in, seven minute out kind of thing, just to... What, what do you mean one minute in, No, I, I'm just oh, curious you know, that Lee? you lengthened it and shortened it at the same no, time. No, no, no. I, I said take out seven. I think you took out... I, th- yeah. I said take out eight. I think you took out seven. Meaning okay. he, we did. We were on the same page about it. That's yeah. all. Yeah. I did write down halfway through screen. I wish he'd made flight plan. <laughs> but, the ambiguity could have just been well, maybe through maybe the roof maybe maybe he'll remake Fight there, Well, there you go. You know? There you go. Um, you you talked. Um, I'm not dwelling on the specific of it because I, I respect what you want to say and what you don't want to say. But you talked upgrade there. Um, I deliberately do podcasts of this so people can't. If people are going to go off and make clickbait out of oh, stuff, good. they have to do some work right, on it. Right, of course. Um, but I did know because I, I just did a search for you coming into this chat because mm. I, I I mean the media ecosystem I find fascinating. Right. Of, uh, around film at the moment, mm. and according to this, I've learned from the headlines just that have gone up. Tell me. That Halloween Kills is going to be a very big film with a very big canvas. The Hunt's Delay was a decision made by all uh, between all concerned. You sent an email to Scott Derrickson. Um, I know how you keep in shape now. You bought a house recently. Technology's changed and um, has changed Hollywood. Uh, Whiplash didn't make money at the cinema and the Tooth Fairy reboot is top of your list of dream uh, projects. (laughs) But how do you... I made the last one up. I just see it right. Um, Just seeing if I was listening. How do you feel about that ecosystem? Because in the early days of your movies, it was a lot of people fighting your corner and pushing, and you know, certainly paranormal activity. The, the word of mouth was was gigantic and really helpful. But now, one of my concerns, and I'm, I appreciate it, I'm pulling the trapdoor on myself a little bit, is whether the media ecosystem around film is actually healthy for film. If that's encouraging filmmakers, um, if there's kind of a punch down culture to it, or if anything you say. It can go off and be. Oh, you can say right. you set a three-word email, and that's become headlines around right. the world, or something right. like that. Right. I'm just curious what it's like being the human being in the midst of all that. I'm not asking you to talk to any of those stories. I just wonder yeah. what the humans like. Um, uh, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about it because it is what it is. You know what I mean? And we're in a biz. We've chosen a business. I've chosen a business. It's a. It's a. It's a kind of business that people are focused on and people love to talk about and say good things and bad things and, and it, it just it's just it's part of it's part of what it is I think and I think you know I always say this 
I always, you know, not always, but I sometimes have this conversation with talent in terms of doing press or doing publicity for the work that you did. Like, you have to look, that's part of your job is not just creating art, but when you're doing it in this public way with other people's money, you can write a book and if you don't want to publicize it, then then as long if you haven't taken a big advance and you've said that, then that's okay. But but if you're if you're kind of part of this machine, that's kind of part of it. So I don't, you know, part of me kind of kind of I think it's I think it's interesting and funny. I kind of get a kick out of it actually. Is the answer to your question? Okay. I mean, your house did look very nice. To be fair, there was a picture. Was there a picture of my house? Yeah, I don't I even so. know if it's it was just my inside, house. Yeah, Some of them you can't. It is inside. It is my house. No, it's not inside your house. Don't oh, worry. Oh, oh, don't okay, worry. We've not we've not actually turned your own film I on mean, you. You might have. I mean, I mean that would be amazing. I learn things about every day from from social media. What I've done here is I've pitched you the plot of what of a future films. Look at this. It's gonna finance the magazine that, that, here we go amazing. so we're in the middle of uh, we're in the middle of a conversation I'm actually telling you that I'm spying on you it's, I believe that, awesome. I believe every word of it that's awesome um, one of the things I try and do with the outlets that I've got is to encourage people that film is reachable mm. um, and one of the things I just wanted to touch on with you is you did have a period where it wasn't working for you where you, I think, not working, but you, you had about a ten-year period before you. Oh, found before a paranormal level activity. Of yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, um, it was. You know, I looked puzzled because I, I, I definitely. I did. thought I'd still it offended was, you from twenty minutes. No, ago, no, I'm over that, and, and and you haven't offended me. Yeah, you'll never offend me. I'm, I'm, I'm unoffendable. I'm not trying. I'm to, unoffendable. I mean, now, 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 now. I had a very yeah. It was a it was a very tough period. Yes. What is your question about? Well, that my period? question is that um, I think for people trying to get because what's interesting yeah. about your story is people assume it's been this mass rush of success no, no, but actually it wasn't. you battled through failure and I you did. bounced back through failure to get I to did. that I and can't I wonder, tell if you're being facetious but no, that's true no I'm not true. being facetious okay, I'm not I being did. facetious okay, I, it's I true. Just, um, okay it's true and I just wonder if you can talk to that a little bit because for those on the other side trying to break in they're coming up against a lot of failure yeah. before they can get any kind of success and I can I, I just wonder if you can talk to what the yeah look I, I, I do it was it was from 2000 to about 2000 till, till paranormal activity so 2000 to 2007 I had a very fantastic job as an executive I came to London all the time and met all the people all the directors here and and I was going to all these film festivals and then I quit that job and uh, and I started you know producing for myself I had a company called Blum Israel for two years that failed uh, we made hysterical blindness and a one other movie and it whatever the company blew up and I guess I guess um, if you're everything I was going to say every business is different, but I guess it's in a way it's not that different. I just it's just I, you just keep going and keep trying, and people and I've definitely got lucky, but also you get lucky because you're taking a lot of shots. Yeah. And I and I, and and even when I was even when my company was just me, people would say, "Boy, you're doing a lot. Like you're making a lot of movies." We were making you know one and a half movie, you know three movies every two years. When I and during made that three period, this month I made three I movies say, yeah. last week yeah. now, but I got a hundred people at the company. Yeah. So when it was just me, I was still like, you got to keep, keep trying, and if you love what you're doing, you know, keep keep pushing. But I, but it 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 kind of romanticizes it. There were times during that period, one time very particularly, I remember where I did think I was going to stop. I was going to yeah. do something else. I was going to get a job for someone and not not have my own company. So. You know, I don't want to sound like I'm complaining about it because I'm very lucky now. But at the time, it, I, it was definitely, I struggled. It was hard. 
I saw um, a short film from uh, a, a filmmaker yesterday, uh, Louisa Connolly Burnham, her name is. I, I was curious. I thought, and I'm not, I'm not related. I'm not trying to sell the film to you, but I'm curious. How does someone making a short film in the UK come to your attention? Well, that you know, we make in our, on the TV side. We've made twenty. We've made twenty six movies for. We've made twenty of twenty six movies yeah. for Hulu. We have this show yeah, called yeah, in, Into yeah. the Dark. Yeah. So if if that if someone on our in our television team saw that short and liked that short and that director had an idea for a movie about a holiday, we'd probably hire that director. So we're looking spe- especially on our t- in our TV business for new talent um, all the time. And we, like I said, we've employed. 20 directors in the last 18 months, most of whom had never made a movie before. Interesting. Um, obviously, um, I, I mean, I introduced a film uh, for you once, and I was specifically told by the uh, PR beforehand, don't mention Tooth Fairy in your Is that true? That's so true. embarrassing. And so now I, we have I, to I talk ob- about Tooth Fairy I constantly. mentioned it. Of course. Um, Did you mention it? Of, of course. Of course. Um, Good for you. And then I just heard you killing yourself laughing in the wings. Um, <laughs> the only point I wanted to make of that is um, all the films you've made, I know I'm being chucked out of the room, but all the films you've made, it strikes me you've learned something from all of them that we make a couple of gags about that but that's as formative a film for you as this the tooth fairy i think was the tooth fairy and paranormal activity were the two single most informative films i've ever uh, i've ever produced in terms of yeah in terms of informing the rest of my career for sure well, congratulations on the 906 films you've made. Well, thank you very uh, much. And, and this one that I saw 48 soon. minutes ago. Oh, wonderful. Well, thank you, you so much it. for your time. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. And that was my chat with Jason Blum, which took place last week at the time this podcast being recorded uh, in advance of the release of The Invisible Man that's in cinemas on the 28th of February. There is a review of that over at the Film Stories website, www.filmstories.co.uk. You can find more from me at Simon Brew. You can follow Film Stories on Twitter if you want, at Film Stories Pod, hiding away on Facebook too, facebook.com slash filmstoriesonline, and a whole host of exclusive video film stories that we put together the the wonderful dan does those at youtube.com slash film stories and of course if you go to the aforementioned website you can find out all about our magazines that jason blum just uh, hinted at in that interview just there and of course there's a huge uh, backlog of film stories episodes waiting to be discovered you can find those over at the website as well if you do like this podcast please do subscribe please do leave ideally a hugely positive review um i'll be back with the regular weekly film stories episode they land every monday morning uh, so i'm going to go off and work on that now thank you as always for listening to film stories for supporting film stories i hope you enjoy the invisible man i hope you enjoy this podcast and you all take care bye-bye